Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Rewatchables TV. I'm your host, Skylar Darrell. This podcast is for my Communications 442 Senior Capstone Project. I'm modeling this podcast off of one with the same name from TheRinger.com, entitled The Rewatchables, where various staffers of the website rewatch and review older, notable movies. I wanted to do the same thing, but for television, which I have a great passion for. I figured that you know, since TV shows are sometimes over 50 to 100 episodes long, rewatching and reviewing a show could take literal months. So I decided to hold it to just an episode of each show. Um, in today's episode, we're going to be breaking down The Sopranos and picking our favorite episode before really going into detail about the various aspects of it. So this is The Rewatchables TV, and I hope you enjoy. Look at the snow. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Rewatchables TV. I'm Skylar Darrell, and joining me, Ryan Petty and Frankie Cuomo. What's up, guys? What's going on, Skylar? There we go. All right, so today we're going to talk about The Sopranos, and in particular, the Pine Barrens episode, which we decided was the best one. Um, We actually just watched it. But before we talk about the episode, I kind of want to hear your thoughts just on the show as a whole and kind of like what the show means to you. I personally watched it a couple months ago, and I think I finished it in like, what, three, four weeks? And it was like probably the best thing I've ever seen, and I just like love it and have been rewatching it ever since. Yeah, it took me a lot longer than two weeks, that's for sure. I was kind of just trying to like savor every episode, especially like towards the last season. It was like I would do like an episode a week because I didn't want the end. And it's so sad. Now it's over. But this actually watching this episode makes me want to rewatch it again. I think I'm I think I'm gonna start today. To be honest. I feel like for me, I started watching it about a year ago. Um, my mom and dad were into it first. They were about four or five episodes in when I started. And then I remember watching one episode and just laughing so much and like enjoying it a lot. And then I went on and started it. And then over winter break, we watched probably two episodes every night while we were home. And then came back and finished it in about a month. So really enjoyed it. It's just like the most iconic piece of American television. Like it's just so... The following is unreal. Even like, I mean, how many years after they've stopped filming? What was the last? It's episode? been twelve years. Like, and there's still people watching it for the first time and rewatching it. Like, yeah, Make, all, making a insane. movie about it. Now, yeah, for sure mm-hmm. too. So. Yeah, like the prequel. Yeah, for me, it was also like kind of the beginning of the whole antihero genre. Everyone kind of talks oh, yeah. about like Walter White and Don Draper, and there would be none of those characters without Tony Soprano, yeah. who's like one of the most iconic characters sure. ever. All right, so we all love the Sopranos, clearly. Um, now, before we start, we each have one episode we picked that we would have wanted to do had we not chosen Pine Barrens. I think Pine Barrens is, like, pretty standard as the best episode of the show, but I personally would have picked College, which is the fifth episode of the first season. I felt like College, for me, was the first time we really see Tony being Tony in the terms of balancing his family with the family, right? He takes Meadow on the, uh, on the college tour and he ends up, um, killing, uh, Febby Petrullio, who is the rat, um, who was in witness protection, and... I remember um, James Gandolfini was saying that uh, they didn't want David Chase, who's the creator, to have Tony kill the guy. And David Chase said that there's no Tony Soprano if he doesn't kill the guy. That had, kind of validates his character. And that's the first time you're like, holy shit, like, this guy is literally cold-blooded killer, but he's also a good father. Yeah. So that was the episode for me. 
I'm going to go with long-term parking. Um, the reason why I like that episode is for a few reasons. The first one was, I think that was the first time I saw, or, or at least can remember in a while, where, like, Tony and Christopher have, like, that little feud throughout, like, the whole series. And I feel like there, it's finally a time where he can be honest with him when he finds something out. And, you know, I remember seeing him at the gas station. I remember him seeing the family, seeing the guy get in this shitty car with his family and all these groceries and stuff. And you can see it right there in his eyes that that's not what he wants to do. That's not the future he wants. Um, and obviously when Adriana is working with the feds, all that stuff's going on. Um, and he goes to Tony. Yeah, Yeah. no. And honestly, like I really didn't actually expect that to happen. And that's another reason why I liked the episode because I expected something completely different. Like I did not see it playing out that way. Um, and the way the characters built everything up, I mean, the phone calls, you know, it's almost like it was like a real life thing. It's like they almost weren't acting. And to me, that's why I really, really enjoyed that episode. What, What really stood out to me in that episode is when Silvio is driving with Adriana and he, he's sort of taunting her. He's like, Chrissy's a tough kid. He's going to be all right. And, and like on the surface, he's yeah. talking about a suicide attempt, but he's really talking about how Chrissy's going to be fine without her. And, yeah. and even in that moment too, I feel like you could flip back and forth. You could just think like, oh, maybe nothing's actually going to happen. But at the same time, you know, the music starts playing and, and I don't know, the vibe that you just get, it's just, it's so real. And that to me just really spoke to me. Yeah. All right, Frank. It's going to sound cliche, but I'm going to pick the last episode just because, you know, it's very similar to the Breaking Bad last episode. I know this this might be spoiler alert and whatnot, so turn back now if you haven't seen the last episode of The Sopranos. But it's it's like you know what's going to happen, you have a feeling what's going to happen, and yet at the same time you're like, I don't really know what happened, yeah. and I kind of don't want what I think is going to happen to happen. I know that sounds yeah. like really confusing, but there's just so many different elements of, this, of that episode in particular to analyze, whether it's you know the bells and the first first perspective of, of what's actually going on. We're seeing what Tony's seeing. Um, but yeah, it's great. I don't know. You'll never uh, listen to Don't Stop Believing again yeah, the same way. Never. No, exactly. I know there's like a big dialogue over whether or not Tony gets whacked, but I feel like it's kind of good that we don't know mm-hmm. in a sense because like, I don't know, you can't know everything in life, I guess. And for us, it's really cool because, you know, that scene was filmed in North Jersey and Holston's and like, that's like an actual restaurant yeah. you can actually yeah. go to. Darius has been there before. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All right, so now we're going to get into Pine Barrens. Um, I'm going to recap the episode real quick, so we're going to take a quick break. I'll recap the episode, and then we'll come back. Tony enters his boat, the Stugats, to meet with his guma, Gloria, after her trip to Morocco. She has arrived first and fields a phone call that is actually from Tony's former mistress, Irina. Tony first lies about the call before admitting Irina's true identity. After an initial fight, they make up and have sex. Tony then calls Polly and asks him and Christopher to collect five grand from a Russian mobster named Valerie on Silvio's behalf. The two go to pick up the money, but Polly, who is angered because he does not want to do the job, agitates Valerie by smashing his universal remote on the floor. The two mobsters and Valerie fight before Polly chokes Valerie with a cord of a floor lamp, cracking his windpipe. Seemingly dead, Polly and Christopher wrap him in a carpet and throw him in the trunk of Polly's car. Polly then suggests they take him down to the Pine Barrens and bury him there before stopping in Atlantic City for a steak dinner and some blackjack. Christopher asks that they stop at a Roy Rogers first, as he hasn't eaten breakfast, but Polly insists that business must come first. In the woods, they open the trunk and discover that Valerie is still alive, and has chewed through the duct tape that was gagging him. They lift him and give him a shovel, making him dig his own grave. However, Valerie escapes, hitting Christopher on the head with the shovel and then hitting Polly in the leg before fleeing. The mobsters chase Valerie and seemingly shoot him in the head, but he gets up, survives, and runs into the woods. Christopher and Polly end up lost in the Pine Barrens, cold and hungry. To make matters worse, Polly loses his shoe in the snow. 
They are unable to find their car and are effectively lost in the woods, and they call Tony, who notifies them that Valerie was actually an ex-Special Forces member in the Russian Interior Ministry who had killed several Chechen rebels and cannot live to tell this story. Polly and Christopher eventually call Tony and ask to be extracted before spending the night in an abandoned van feasting on abandoned packets of ketchup and relish. Two smaller subplots develop during this uh, larger event. Tony shows up late to dinner with Gloria as uh, Carmela's parents um, come to the house and say that Carmela's dad has glaucoma and Tony has to stay an extra couple hours. So he shows up late to dinner and then he used to actually leave and help Polly and Christopher. Gloria, getting mad that she gets two-timed by Tony twice in one night, throws a London broil at his head and trashes her dining room. When he leaves, effectively, they break up. Meanwhile, Meadow is sick and Jackie Jr. is comforting her, but he leaves as Meadow says they cannot have sex. Meadow suspects that he is cheating when he does not return her calls and eventually discovers that indeed he has been cheating on her. They also break up. As Polly and Christopher spend a tense in, um, evening together in the wilderness, Tony is, able, is aided by Bobby Bacala, a skilled outdoorsman, to help them find the two. When they arrive, they notice Polly's car is missing. Eventually, they find Christopher and Polly and bring them home. Polly gives a false version of the initial altercation, but Christopher sticks with it. The two decide to give up searching for Valerie and head back to North Jersey. Tony notes that if Valerie resurfaces, it is Polly, not him, that will have to suffer the consequences. Initially, it's noted that the money that Polly's picked up for Silvio was in his car, which is now lost. So effectively, all of it was for nothing. Later, Tony is in therapy with Dr. Melfi and confesses he's been seeing Gloria, one of Melfi's patients. He describes her as impossible to please, difficult, and depressive, to which Melfi responds, Does this remind you of another woman in your life, referring to his mother, Livia? Tony, after a thoughtful pause, does not make the connection, and the episode ends. And that is the Pine Dolans episode. All right, we're back. Um, most rewatchable scene. Now, we just watched this, so the um, scenes are still pretty fresh, so I'll go over. I made a list of eight. If you have any more that you want to add, feel free. The first is when they're in Valerie's house. Uh, Christopher and Polly, from the whole Cuban Missile Crisis dialogue to the point where they crack his windpipe, amazing, totally unnecessary, just shows how much of a dickhead Polly is. Um, whoa, 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 dickhead! I don't know. If he's a <laughs> um, Valerie escaping in the woods. Christopher for one second's like, how far away is AC? And the next thing you know, he got hit in the head with a shovel. Uh, the Tony Polly phone call um, with the whole Czechoslovakian interior decorator thing, unbelievable. So I'm going to talk fast. The guy you're looking for is an ex-commando. He killed 16 Chechen rebels single-handed. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, nice, huh? On you there? I d- fuck! Call me back! You're not going to believe this. He killed 16 Czechoslovakians. Guy was an interior decorator. This house looked like shit. Every time. Uh, Tony and Polly eating the ketchup packets in the van. Um, Gloria hitting Tony in the head with a London broil. And for one second, you think Tony's going to turn around and beat the shit out of her and instead just smiles and leaves. <laughs> Bobby walking into the kitchen <laughs> and Tony's reaction. Bobby just goes, fuck this. <laughs> um, Polly and Christopher coming to blow us outside the van. And then the last scene when Dr. Melfi and Tony are having the conversation about Gloria, but it's also kind of about his mother. What is the most rewatchable scene in your opinion? Give me a second. Um, I would probably say the phone call because it's the one that if I'm on YouTube and I see that clip pump come up, I'm going to watch it 10 times out of 10. Um, but it's also not necessarily it's a scene. It's more of a dialogue. Mm-hmm. But I think it's unbelievable. I think for me, the most rewatchable scene has got to be when they're in the kitchen of Junior's house. <laughs> 
Just because, just because for yeah. me, like that's something that I can just relate to, like being at home, like everyone ripping on me for, for yeah. random busting balls. Yeah, exactly, busting my balls for stuff. So. <laughs> No, I, I could see that. I want to say that one, but I, I don't know. For some reason, the Cuban Missile Crisis thing I think, like, <laughs> sets sets the scene for the whole episode. I mean, this was one of those episodes, like we talked about, like, it's just different than the rest of the series where things are kind of structured, and this one was just a lot funnier. And I feel like right right away from the beginning, that conversation kind of sets the scene where this isn't going to be your normal Sopranos episode. It's going to be a lot funnier. There's going to be these jokes here and there, and I don't know. To me, I thought that was hilarious. How about the Cuban Missile Crisis? Cocksuckers moved nuclear warheads into Cuba, pointed them right at us. That was real? I saw that movie. I thought it was bullshit. All right. Best quote. We all know what the best quote is, so I think we're going to kind of go for the runner-up here, but I have a bunch of quotes. Um, the first one is Polly's at the uh, nail salon. He says, let me get the satin finish. Very very um, <laughs> metrosexual of Polly there. Um, <laughs> just like you were saying, Christopher, I saw that movie. I thought it was bullshit. Talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Valerie, put Universal Remote down on docking station. That starts everything. <laughs> Universal Remote, put it down on docking station. Um, must have cracked his windpipe. That's it for him. What are you, a fucking doctor now? <laughs> must have cracked his windpipe. That's it for him. What are you, a fucking doctor now? What are we going to do? Paulie and Christopher, when they open the trunk and Valerie just goes, fucking peace sheet. Um, Valerie, like three seconds later, yelling in Russian, you think the cold bothers me? I wash my balls with ice water. Amazing. And he just spits up in the air. Um, this is the best quote. You're not going to believe this. He killed Czechos- uh, 16 Czechoslovakians. Guy was an interior decorator. His house looked like shit. Obviously, it was 16 Chechens and he was in- with the interior ministry, but Paulie's just dumb. Um, mix it with the relish, Polly, when they're eating the ketchup packets in the, in the truck. Mix it with the relish. Um, Christopher says we should have stopped at Roy Rogers and Polly yells, and I should have fucked Dale Evans, but I didn't. <laughs> we should have stopped at Roy Rogers. And I should have fucked Dale Evans, but I didn't. Um, this is probably my second favorite one. Um, when Tony walks in and Junior goes, what have you been eating, steak? What have you been eating, steak? Because <laughs> he gets hit in the head with the steak, and then, uh, at the end, you got the money, it was in the car. What is the... Well, I think we all agree the Czechoslovakian was probably the funniest moment yeah, of the entire yeah. show. Um, what's the second best quote in this episode? If you have to pick, for one. me, I have to say the ketchup and relish one. Yeah, just because the scene is so ridiculous. Yeah. like they're literally huddled up in that little van. They find random packets of ketchup and relish and just devouring. I think it's I think it's ridiculous. I, I gotta go with the washing your balls with ice cream. <laughs> Only because when, when, I, when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it like pretend you're like Paulie or Christopher standing there. This guy's speaking Russian. You have no idea what the hell he's saying. And he's going on and on and he ends it and just says, I wash my balls with ice water. Like that's hilarious. Like, you can't beat that. All right. The uh, Dion Waiters Heat Check Award. Now this, for people who don't know who Dion Waiters is, he plays not that many minutes a game for the Heat and always ends up jacking up like 15, 20 points out of nowhere. So... Um, basically it's the actor or actress who does the most with the least amount of screen time. I had four candidates. I think this is also a pretty slam dunk winner for me. Valerie is my first choice, Mm -hmm. but Gloria, um, has the phone call where she answers Tony's phone and also throws a lion broil at his face. That's pretty good. Bobby with the pants that that's like when he walks in and says, fuck this, that's literally 20 points and 10 rebounds like right there. And, uh, Jackie Jr. Who underratedly, um, with like the funniest 20 seconds, I think arguably the episode where he checks, he says ass and tries to have sex with Meadow. And when she says, no, he immediately checks his watch 
asks if she wanna does do X, and when she says no, he just leaves. Amazing. But for me, I think it's pretty clearly Valerie. I think Valerie, it could be Valerie, but I really think Bacala has a shot because Bacala yeah. saves the day. At the he end does, of the day, yeah. he's he's the guy who's prepared. He knows what to do. Wait, mm-hmm. wait till you know it gets light out, and we'll save them. So I don't know. I, I would go with him because of that. Really? Um, obviously, the beginning, the kitchen scene, one of the best scenes, obviously, in the episode. But also, very underrated, and I, I think went unnoticed, now that I'm thinking back, <laughs> when they're in the car driving, <laughs> right? And he's sitting there, and he goes, you know, I used to go hunting with my father. So Tony's, like, looking at him, and he goes, yeah, we saw a sign that said, bare left, so we went home. Like, I thought that was hilarious. But, like, in the moment, it wasn't that funny. But, yeah. like, I expected, like, Tony to laugh at that, but obviously he didn't. And they like, continued their conversation, but... I don't know, underrated scene. I actually just got that. We were watching it this time. I laughed because <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that, like, that makes sense. I yeah. didn't get that joke Same, before. Because I, I think he was just like, it's like really awkward between them. They're mm-hmm. just like trying to kill time. It's like five o'clock in the morning and he just says some dumb shit and Tony just gives him <laughs> nothing. All right. So this is interesting. I probably would pick Valerie because he drives the entire episode and he's just like really fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know Bobby's pretty funny, but Valerie literally just like. Drives the whole episode and it's he's a tank. It's not his yeah. fault. Literally crazy. That's what's so funny. Like Paulie was totally instigating, and he was just like, "Can you put the remote back on the docking station?" And it wouldn't like, have been an episode otherwise. No, if you so, put, the, put the remote back, there's no episode. Yeah, I don't know. Valerie, pretty big heat check for me. Um, speaking of Valerie, a little subplot I want to talk about is what happens to him. Now there, there's this shot when they first lose him, and the and the the um, footprints stop. We're like, see Buscemi, a directed episode, did a great job. It's like an aerial shot of Tony and of Christopher and Polly. It kind of makes me think, like, did he fucking climb the tree when they didn't yeah. see? That's like kind of the the vibe I got. No, yeah. Um, in promotional materials for the episode, HBO listed him as deceased with a question mark behind it. Um, yeah. Terry Winter wrote the episode said, "We want to keep it ambiguous. You know, not everything gets answered in life." And David Chase says, "Do you have to get closure on every little thing? Isn't there any mystery in the world?" And by the way, I do know where the Russian is, but I'll never say because so many people got so pissy about it. What do you think happened to Valerie? Or does it matter? Well, I honestly, I think that the guy clearly gets shot in the head, right? <laughs> yeah. He's clearly, yeah. you see the blood splatter, like, he's yeah. clearly shot in the head. There's no, I don't care how many Chechnyans you murder, right? <laughs> there's no way you're coming back from that. I completely disagree. First oh, of all, take on. that into account, number one. They literally almost killed this guy. In the back of the car, he's chewing That's out the true. tape, still alive. With a you cracked know, windpipe. You know, yeah, with, with a cracked windpipe, nonetheless. And then they're shooting at him. He's running away in the cold. I mean, the guy, again, he washes balls with ice water. He's a tank, clearly. <laughs> and he runs away. So, to me, there's no way he died. But you brought up that, I didn't even think of it, the point where when the blood stops, there's no more footprints. Maybe he did climb. I didn't even think so of something like that. So, how did they not see so him like, climb up the tree, though? You're right. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to say. So it's that's very open. Like, I don't, but I don't think he's dead. So, my question, my follow-up question is, does it matter? What happened to him? To me, it kind of left me a little uneasy, honestly. Like, yeah. It makes you think, like, okay, like, I wonder if Paulie's really going to have to deal with Slava. Yeah. Like, when they get back, is is Valerie just going to be in the driveway with the freaking, you know, yeah. 45 up to their face? But they never mention it again. That's the crazy yeah, yeah. thing. Valerie never comes up again. The only time they mention it yeah. is at Chrissy's intervention. When he's Paulie's giving him shit, he's like, remember that time in the woods? That's that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like at first, if you're watching it for the first time, you think more that it's going to be like a contributing factor later on. But us, obviously, having watched it, we know it's not as big of a deal. But I think at the time, you're like kind of yeah, you're uneasy about it. You I don't think, know what's going to happen. I think that kind of adds to like David Chase's purpose for the episode. It's like it, that that goes to show you know you, it's not this episode's not supposed to be really meaningful. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, maybe like the little extra scenes, but the actual chase in the woods and finding God, like it's it's supposed to be sort of like a comedic break from like the mm-hmm. seriousness of some right. of the other stuff going on. And this on. was a serious season. 
I think two episodes before there was that episode where uh, Ralph Cifaretto like literally like beats the stripper to death. Okay, and yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the same season where Dr. Melfi gets raped. Um, so there's, this is like a pretty heavy season. Yeah. This is kind of like a nice like injection of comedy yeah. exactly. into the season. All right, lazy internet research. Now, you guys don't know this. I think I have like seven uh, bullet points here. Yeah. All right, first thing. Um, this episode wasn't actually shot in the Pine Barrens. What? But at, at Harriman State Park in New York, the production team was denied a permit to film in New Jersey at the Pine Barrens. The guy, I forget his name, the guy who um, denied them the permit actually got arrested for, like, embezzlement, I think, like, two years what? later. Not that that is, matters, but yeah. So, they actually didn't shoot in the Pine Barrens. They shot it in New I York. I don't think I would have been able to tell either way. It's just disappointing. Yeah. Which is interesting Honestly. because the whole show is shot on scene yeah. in New yeah. Jersey, pretty much. Um, wow, I feel rough. This one's good. There was an unexpected snowfall just before the shoot. Both the cast and the crew argued that, or agreed that the snow added the emotional effect to the episode, like Polly Shue getting lost in the snow. So the, originally there was not supposed to be any snow at all. I wouldn't have liked that. Yeah, that. so they got really lucky, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, the interior of the truck was shot on the sound on a soundstage, um, so they weren't actually in the freezing cold. So I think one of you brought up like they were probably like fucking freezing during the yeah. shooting of this episode to an extent, but they they shot the uh, truck on a soundstage. This is good. When Gloria throws the stake at Tony, it's actually director Steve Buscemi who hits him with it. Neither Annabella Sciorra, who plays Gloria, or any prop handler had actually been able to hit James Gandolfini with the stake. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So Why is that? They just wanted to They just sure. missed... Yeah, they just missed him. Wow. Yeah, so Buscemi, like, picked up the stake and actually hit him. Just chucked him. Yeah. Um, Pine Barrens took 12 days for shooting, setting a record for the longest episode shot at the yeah, time. Wow. And this is my favorite one. I'm, I think you guys probably know this or not. Steven Sherpa wore a strap-on dildo to make Tony laugh naturally at Bobby's hunting outfit. Did you know that? Wait, no. What? Okay, this is amazing. So, what? Tony knew. <laughs> Tony knew that Bobby was going to be dressed like that. He'd seen him in the costume, so they needed. He was basically like, "You need to make me laugh." So, yeah, like, yeah. I'm laughing naturally. So, Bobby or Tony Stephen Sherpa bought, buys a dildo, strapped it on. No kidding. So Gandolfini didn't know about. That. No. So again, he walks into the room and Gandolfini sees Stephen Sherpa with a dildo on and that's fucking loses hilarious. his shit, What's and that's, that's why he laughs. I was gonna say because that laugh. It seemed more genuine in some Yeah, like that's, yeah. yeah. You've never seen him laugh like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the scene of Bobby walking in wasn't the initial shot. They filmed, they basically just walked in with the dildo on. See, that's funny because I feel like I've read something before about that scene where if you watch it, obviously Tony's laughing. Mm-hmm. And you see it, they've, apparently they've tried that a few times. And if you look at Junior, you see him, like, you don't have a nose, but you see yeah, him, yeah. like, almost <laughs> just enough because yeah. obviously if that's the case, then, like, you can't keep a straight face. But. That's, yeah. I had no idea. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, so that was like my favorite little tidbit of it. Um, all right, who won the episode? I have a couple of candidates. Valerie, Bobby, Bacala. Bobby eventually becomes third in command behind Tony and Silvio in season six, and I think this kind of starts that. He begrudgingly wins Tony's respect. Steve Buscemi, future cast member, does a great job directing this. I say Michael Imperioli and Tony Sirico, who play Christopher and Polly, but not the actual characters. I think they're the big losers yeah, in this yeah, episode. Definitely. So who do you think won the episode? Well, I think... I'll start off with first who I think lost. I think Pauly absolutely is the biggest loser in the whole thing just because it's a total flop for him. Um, But winner, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Bacala again, just because I think he saved the day. You know, he, he's the winner in the end. He's uh, the guy who, you know, got them out of the woods. I'll say Buscemi only because, like you said, he comes in and plays a huge role later on. And uh, I feel like this is like almost like a prequel of what he's going to do. Obviously, this is behind the scenes, but then it's what he's going to do on the scenes to really affect the show then, so mm-hmm. I'm going to go with him. Buscemi oh, also crosses paths with Tony and Christopher, or Paul and Christopher a lot. Like right, Christopher right. has like a pretty big resentment for uh, 
for yeah. um, Tony Blondetta, who Steve Buscemi plays. I'm going to say Valerie because I just love him, and I think he. I don't think he dies at all, but like I feel like the mystery and the mystique and like the reason why this episode is so good is because of Valerie. Um, in terms of the plot, I definitely agree that Bobby um, is the winner here. All right, so in terms of the impact of the of the show as a whole, um, I think the three episodes we talked about before this probably have a bigger long-term impact on the show um with long-term parking like you see adriana dying and christopher kind of fully committing the ending is obviously the ending and for college you see tony for the first time in this like mobster light mm-hmm. from I, I have a couple of bullet points and you guys can sound off whatever i think the reason why this episode works is because it's non-serialized in the sense that like this doesn't really advance the plot at all but it's still the best episode in the show and i think that kind of is a testament to how well the show is run where you can have an episode like this it doesn't necessarily matter in the long run but it's still the best episode. Mm. Um, Christopher and Polly's feud extends throughout the entire series. You have the issue of them, like, like I think Polly, Christopher gets made and then he can't get all of Polly's money and they have the issue paying for dinner. Yeah, I was just going to bring that Starts with yeah. this. Um, Bobby winning Tony's respect. He eventually becomes the underboss. Yeah, um, the mystery of Valerie sort of acts as a precursor cursor to the, the ending of the show in the sense that we don't get the answer at the end of this episode. So we're kind of, you know, in a way, ready for the end of the series where, like, we don't know what happens and, like, I think that's okay. And I, it, it's sort of almost like classic philosophy ask. Like it, mm-hmm. sort of like the Plato readings. Like you're left to sort of think about the big questions in the end and figure it out for yourself. Yeah. There is no open, like there is no exact answer, which I think is cool. And the, and the amazing thing is, this is this aired in 2001, almost 18 years ago, mm-hmm. and yet there's still little tidbits that the audience yeah. can pick up and uh-huh. sort of like the, it's still culturally relevant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, the comedy aspect also huge. I think Patty, you brought that up. It's really like so fucking funny. It's funny. Like it's actually <laughs> it's anybody who watches it, whether you watch the show or not. Like if you don't know who they are, it's just funny. Like our, our, our housemate Ben was here for the first like ten minutes, and I forget what line it was. Um, but he like started laughing. He doesn't know yeah. who these characters are, and it's just like it, I think it was the the Cuban Missile Crisis. But like that movie was bullshit. Like he had never seen the show, and he laughed. That and then when when um. When they had the ass uh, when they were playing the game, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff, I said to Ben, I was like, "You'd think that's funny," and of course, you did, like, it's just, yeah. You said that's how we uh, tried to get ass. Exactly. Exactly. Right? exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry, Ben. Um, all right. So overall, I think a worthy pick for best episode. Um, I agree. Great fucking show. Yeah. Like really, really like. It, I, yeah, like every time I watch it, I'm like, I need to watch an, a new episode, and like this is probably like the best one for me. Yeah, I have to agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. Thanks so much for joining me, guys. I appreciate it. Our next episode is going to be on Game of Thrones uh, with Ronnie Renero, Ronnie Campos, and Justin Carter. Good crew. Nice crew. But uh, until then, thanks for listening to the Rewashables TV. Everybody, have a good one. Got